NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Scared to death is explicit in every way. Please take care while listening. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no home, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hello, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. Hello, sir. Episode 188, so steadily marching towards 200. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It is. It's pretty fun. <laughs> Um, hopefully I'll be able to get through today's stories. I am, uh, very, very tired. You could almost say I'm so tired. My, uh, my eyes are bleeding. Do they feel like they're bleeding? Yeah. Such tired, bleeding eyes. Yeah. Well, it happens to the best of us, Dan. Whew. Very fun tea this week. Uh, the I'm so tired, my eyes are bleeding tea <laughs> available now for those of you who, uh, you know, know about obscure saints. It's mm. a thing. I have so many emails with proof. <laughs> I have photographic evidence. <laughs> Not of actual eyes bleeding, but of like... Right, I was like, that'd be weird. Of like, like it's spray painted on things. Spray painted, really? Yeah, like, like graffiti art. Yeah, yep. graffiti, my it, eyes are bleeding. Yep, it's a thing, Dan. We're going to talk a lot about it in the bonus episode. Yeah, this is in, the, in the April bonus episode, absolutely. I've got a lot of proof for you. The proof is in the proof. Yeah, I've heard it's quite a thing. I've heard emails been coming in from as far as Spain saying yep. that like, this is a thing. Uh, well, you can head on over to uh, badmagicmerch.com, whether or not you... Uh, have heard the saying before, <laughs> whatever, whichever side you're on. I don't want to give too much away because there's so much fun uh, backstory to it now. Like I'm, <laughs> I cannot wait for the April bonus episode post show banter because I'm going to destroy you. Okay, all right, nice. Not really. <laughs> and then, uh, do you have any? Um, like charity announcements or anything? Or are we just going to jump into it? I, I, I can just uh, remind everyone that, again, you know, as per usual, so that we never miss an episode, we yeah. always record several weeks in advance. Uh, we never want to let you guys down. So it's something we really aim to do around here. And as such, we just don't know how much money we'll be donating this month in April, but we will be donating to Big Table. Uh, Big Table, as a reminder, is a nonprofit to help people in the uh, hospitality industry in yeah. their moments of crisis when they're having to choose between going to work or picking up a sick kid from school. Those kinds of really difficult moments that happen uh, in, uh, happen a lot, sorry, uh, in that 
sector of work. So we'll get totals to you guys when we have them. And then just one final reminder, the Bad Magic, uh, to go to badmagicmerch.com and look for the scholarship tab at the top. The uh, application process closes on 424. That's April 24th. Mm-hmm. That's your Come last chance. And today, this is the April 11th episode. So you've yeah, got al- almost here. a tiny bit of time. All right. Is that it? That's it. Okay. Uh, what paranormal encounters uh, have fans sent us this week? So my two stories this week are uh, the first one, I feel like we can all relate to the sound of someone walking up or down the stairs, mm-hmm. right? That creaking sound. But what happens when there's no one else home with you? Mm-hmm. It's very scary. And then my second story is so bizarre. I I don't know how to set it up without giving too much away. So I'll share more when I get into the tale. But it is, you know, I don't love a tale with no resolution. Yeah. No resolution, but I could not skip this one. It just, it's been bothering me for weeks. Okay. Okay. Um, Look forward to hearing those. Um, I I found a story I'm telling today on the web, a story I was pointed to though by Curtis Rue. Oh. Fan friend, right? Incredibly talented professional animator. So talented. So talented. We've been getting to know. And he was talking about urban legends and one that's creeped him out ever since he was a kid that I had not heard of. It's the story of Click Clack Slide. I don't want to spoil what those sounds represent, but I'm guessing that many of our listeners have heard a version of this story like Curtis did when he was a kid. And can a monster be both a manufactured urban legend and something you could truly encounter? That's what I'm going to play around with in that story. Oh, okay. So kind of a fiction becoming fact in a way. Uh, Next, I'll dip back into true crime and go over a few locations reported to be haunted in the Chicago area by the ghost of infamous Chicago serial killer, John Wayne Gacy. Oh, okay. Nice. I mean, not nice, but... (laughs) Yeah, everybody loves Gacy. What a great guy. What a great guy. Everybody loves his work. You know what I mean? (laughs) Ready to get socked up for some terror? This is a very special episode where instead of socks, I have slippers. Oh, somebody sent you some slippers. Wow, that's that's something. They're puppies. Oh, yeah. They're little Penny and Deedees. That is hilarious. (laughs) Okay. Okay, nice. Very cozy. I love them. It's like wearing my dogs on my feet. (laughs) And the phrase, my dogs are barking. Mm, mm-hmm. That's a good one for the literal game. Yeah, yeah. That one I've heard of. Yeah. My dogs are barking. Uh, okay, so no, no setup on this first story whatsoever. I am just uh, jumping in. So you ready? Jump around. Jump around. Time now for the tale of Click Clack Slide. A long time has passed since Janet's accident at the train tracks. But folks around here will never forget it. Janet was a beautiful young teen girl with thick, long, wavy, blonde hair and the bluest eyes you've ever seen. Like a bit of the sky itself, or maybe some of the ocean, has crept into them. One night, just like dozens of times before, her mother sent her down to the local neighborhood grocer to get some fresh milk and a few other small items. The sun had just set in the sky, and her mom reminded her to be careful crossing the train tracks. The 8.30 freight train was expected to be barreling through at any minute. It always seemed to speed through town much faster than you'd think it would be allowed to. Janet promised her mother she'd be extra careful, just like always, and she set out for the store. Unfortunately, as careful as she tried to be, a freak accident didn't allow her to cross those tracks like she had hoped. As she walked across the tracks, based on what a horrified local witness would later tell the police and others, and based also on the evidence at the scene recovered later, her foot got stuck. A A loose bit of shoelace got pinched under some of the track, and when Janet tried to pull it free, it drew the lace so tight, now she couldn't remove her shoe. Holy shit. 
She sat down to try and tear the lace apart, but it was too strong for her. The harder she pulled, the more stuck it became. And when the train then rounded the corner in the distance, she panicked. Oh my God. She started to yell for help as she sat there, tied to the track, fussing over her foot like a fox caught in a hunter's trap. She tugged and tugged, screamed and screamed as the freight train came racing towards her. Several locals watched the grisly scene unfold and none came to her rescue. There just wasn't time. It was too dangerous. It was hopeless. But from Janet's point of view, I imagine it just looked like apathy, like no one cared enough to try and save her. In the dim light of the street lamps, the engineer didn't see the poor girl until it was much too late. He did pull the brake, but not in nearly enough time, and the huge and heavy train hit Janet at nearly full speed. <sighs> All they ever found in the investigation that followed was her legs. Her shoe was still stuck to the tracks, her foot still stuck inside it. Oh my God. The rest of that leg and the entire other leg and her hips were found over a hundred feet away, just to the side of the tracks. Everything below her belly button, roughly, was recovered. But no one knew what happened to the rest of her. Some think the impact of the train was so devastating that there was truly nothing to be found. That her upper body was essentially disintegrated on impact burst into sprays of blood and tiny fragments of flesh, bone, and entrails. Others, though, they began to think in the weeks that followed that something much stranger happened to the rest of poor Janet. According to rumors that many have written off as nothing more than an urban legend, it wasn't too long after that night before folks started hearing an odd sound right around 8.30 each evening, right around the time the train hit Janet. The sound was reported to be a steady click-clack slide. Clack, slide. The slide being the sound of something dragging in the darkness. At first, the sound was only reported as being heard near the scene of Janet's tragic and deadly accident, but soon it started to be reported as something heard all around town. Something was spreading. The sound made people's skin crawl, filled them with dread, and people started locking their doors and keeping their kids inside by 8.30 at night just to be safe, just to protect them from something they couldn't wrap their minds around. Some said that this sound came from Janet's ghost, or maybe came from something a bit more than a ghost. What if a new monster had been born from blood, pain, terror, tragedy, and anger? A legless, undead corpse dragging itself from one end of town to the other, looking perhaps for a new pair of legs, or maybe just looking to take its pain out on anyone foolish enough not to run from the horrible click-clack, slide, sound that it made. A creature forever furious that no one tried to help save her from the terrible collision that mangled and killed her. Or, based on later alleged victims, maybe it was a monster jealous that other local teens got to live lives free from the same pain. Teens free to progress into adults and live out the dreams that for Janet were shredded just as her body was the night she died. If the urban legend is to be believed, nearly a year later, the creature that was once Janet attacked for the first time. Many locals had started to relax as far as keeping their kids inside after dark was concerned. Yes, some still reported hearing the disturbing sound. Click, clack, slide. But nothing else ever happened. No source of the sound had been witnessed. No one had been attacked. And now it was all being dismissed as scared kids letting their imaginations get the best of them, working themselves up and turning a real, terrible tragedy into something out of a horror movie. Even the parents that were the most frightened and paranoid over the initial reports of a monster in their midst had now let their guards down. Around this time, early one evening, Shirelle's mother called her into the kitchen. Shirelle, I'm out of flour, baby, and I need it to make the gravy for breakfast tomorrow. I need you to run down to the store and get me a bag. 
Sherelle looked up at the clock. It was nearly 8.30. But mama, it's almost 8.30. Sherelle's mother looked up at the clock and back at her daughter and smiled and stopped just short of rolling her eyes. Sherelle, you're not still worried about that silly story, are you? Sherelle, the shy young teen who loved horror movies, even though they gave her nightmares and made it hard for her to sleep sometimes, was actually still very worried about the story. She'd been hearing that terrible sound outside her bedroom window at night for months. A few weeks ago, at the rare sleepover, her friend had wanted to walk down to an ice cream shop after dark. And even though her friend had also, hadn't also also heard it, she knew that she had. That it wasn't just in her head. Click, clack, slide. Sherelle struggled to reply. She was too embarrassed to tell her mom that she was still scared. She hoped her mom would maybe change her mind without her having to say anything. But she didn't. I'm sorry, Sherelle, but you know I haven't been feeling well. You're going to have to be the one to go. The store will be closed by the time your dad gets home from work, and I promised I'd make him his favorite breakfast tomorrow. Now run along. You're getting too old to be worrying about Janet. Sherelle reluctantly pulled on her jacket, braced herself at the door, sighed, and then took off like lightning towards the store. It was busy that night, and it took Sherelle a little while to get to the cashier to pay for the flour. It was 8.35 by the time she stepped outside. She'd heard the freight train rumbling when she paid. As she left the store, her mama's words rang in her ears. You're getting too old to worry about Janet. Sherelle gritted her teeth and forced herself to walk home at a normal pace. Maybe she was getting too old to be scared. Maybe she hadn't really heard what she thought she had. But then halfway between the store and home, she heard it again. Click, clack, slide. Click, clack, slide. There's nothing there, Sherelle said out loud, and she continued her steady, though now somewhat faster pace. Click, clack, slide. Click, clack, slide. It sure didn't feel like her imagination. It sounded very real. And was the sound getting closer? No, of of course it wasn't. She was just starting to freak out. Her imagination was just getting the better of her. Click, clack, slide. That was not her imagination. Sherelle froze and slowly turned her head to glance behind her. And she saw something impossible in the edge of the light sent down from the street lamp. The legless torso of a girl about her age, a blonde-haired girl whose once beautiful bright blue eyes were faded and wild with rage. Using her long, animal-like nails, she dragged her body, legless torso, behind her. Click, clack, slide. Sherelle dropped the bag of flour and began to run as fast as she could for home. To her horror, the noise became faster and louder behind her as she ran. Click, clack, slide. Click, clack, slide. Click, clack, slide. Soon, Sherelle was only ten feet from her front door, her hand reaching to grab for the doorknob when she caught a glimpse of a dirty blonde hair out of the corner of her eye. Janet had pulled her way into Sherelle's front yard. It was only then that Sherelle realized her mother had locked the door behind her. Oh, shit. She began to scream for her mother and pound on the door, but Sherelle's mother, who truly had not been feeling well, had fallen deeply asleep in her favorite chair in the living room. Click, clack, slide. Mama, mama, please open the door. Click, clack, slide. Mama, help me. Click, clack, slide. And then silence. By the time Sherelle's mother answered the door, still half asleep, her daughter was nowhere to be seen. When she looked down at the floor of the porch, she screamed. Written in blood was the following message. Why didn't you open the door, mama? And then in the distance from her neighbor's yard, she too now heard the horrible sound. Click, clack, slide. Click, clack, slide. There was no trace of Sherelle, and she was never seen again. This was the first of supposedly several similar disappearances to take place. The first of several victims of the monster, once known as Janet, now known by the sound it made. Click, clack, slide. So that is a version of the click, clack, slide urban legend. Various versions exist around the world mainly in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, it seems. 
Also, it is very similar to the Japanese urban legend of Teke Teke. We covered that in episode 28, the Satanic Carnival episode. On a forum a few years ago, a bit of recent lore was added, though, to Click Clack Slide. And it poses a question we've pondered here before. Can horror fiction come from a real place? Here is a rewritten version, for storytelling purposes, of what I found. The Click Clack Slide story terrified Tara and a few of her friends back in Dayton when they were kids. She heard it at first at a church youth group sleepover, and damn, did it ever give her nightmares. For weeks, she swore she heard it when she stayed outside in her yard or was out with friends after dark. But then eventually, she moved on, and she and her friends obsessed over something else. And pretty soon, she no longer believed any part of it was real. And not long after that, she'd forgotten about it entirely. Or at least she thought she had. But now, walking home alone from a night of class or walking home alone from a night class the first week of her junior year of college, walking to her new address, a house that sat just off campus, she heard a train coming. Her house was about a block on the other side of the tracks. This was the first time she could remember hearing or seeing a train passing by here. And alone in the dark, the story of Janet, click, clack, sly, came rushing back. She laughed a bit at herself, but also she felt a little bit of fear sinking into her stomach. Embarrassment followed as she stood and waited for the train to pass so she could get home. She thought, what was, there be to, what was there to be afraid of? The story was so ridiculous. It was just an urban legend. The city everything supposedly took place in wasn't even mentioned. Of course not. It wasn't real. I mean, come on. If a bunch of girls went missing in connection with that creepy sound if bloody messages were found in place of bodies, that would be a huge news story. She would have heard so much more about it. But then Tara thought of a conversation she'd had with a guy named Dylan she'd met recently. He was arguing that urban legends, what if they could somehow simultaneously be both fake and real? What if originally, yeah, someone made them up? But what if unknowingly, when they came up with the story, they didn't really invent it? What if something gave the story to them? Something real and often terrible. What if the scariest stories you've ever heard in your life, the scariest movies you've ever seen, even if the author or screenwriter or whatever admittedly made them up, what if they only thought they made them up? But really, they were writing a true story that just hadn't happened yet, or a story that hadn't happened in this dimension. At the time, Tara had agreed to that possibility, but not because she really entertained it. Dylan was just cute, and she was hoping they might meet up again, maybe date, hook up, whatever. But now, now his words suddenly seemed to make more sense than she'd wanted them to. While thinking that, she heard it, just barely. The train had just finished passing by and the crossing gate still hadn't even lifted up. It was still noisy, but barely over that noise she heard click clack sly. No. No, this can't be real, she thought. But then she heard it again as the gates lifted. Click clack slide. But she still couldn't place the origin of the sound, not until she heard it a third time. Click clack slide. It was coming from behind her. She turned around and she screamed. The legless, bloody corpse of a mangled girl dirty blonde hair and all just like the story hard to tell in the distance in the darkness but she maybe even had those wild blue eyes Tara didn't scream or run she just stood there dumbfounded staring at a monster as it crept closer click clack slide she wanted to scream to run but it was like she was hypnotized she couldn't believe what she was seeing what was happening click clack slide only 10 or maybe 15 feet away now steadily approaching still Tara remained frozen couldn't make a sound. It felt like she was trapped inside a nightmare, except she hadn't been sleeping. Was she going to die? 
She almost wanted to laugh. Was she going to be killed by an urban legend that hadn't scared her since she was 12 years old? Click, clack, slide. The thing looked happy now. Hungry, maybe. Like it knew it was about to feed. Like she would be so delicious. How would it work, Tara wondered. Would this thing literally tear her apart with its mouth and hands, eat her like an animal? Would it press its lips against her own and suck the life, her soul maybe, out of her body? Click, clack, slide. Only a few feet away now. She was as good as dead. A car horn finally snapped her out of her trance, and she looked over towards the sound. It was Dylan. He looked like he didn't know if he should be concerned or laugh. What are you doing, Tara? You okay? Tara was about to scream for help, that she was not okay, far from it. She was going to scream that she was about to die. But then when she glanced back towards where the monster was, it was gone. Vanished without a trace, like it had never been there in the first place. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good, she mumbled. You sure? You were looking a little, I don't know, zombie-like when I pulled up. You need a ride? You know, I would love a ride. Are you hungry? Tara quickly hopped in Dylan's car. She did not want to head home just a block away from where she had just thought she was going to die in the strangest of ways. What if that thing came back? The two went to a 24-hour diner and resumed their discussion of the line between fiction and fact, at least in the realm of horror, possibly being blurred much more than what most people would ever think possible unless they'd experienced something like what Tara had just witnessed. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Ah. That one, um, this story reminded me a little bit of the pull, pull, pull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of like, uh, that sound being such an important part of the story or a distinct sound. Click, clack, slide. I kept thinking that must be like her hands, like. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be, the nails. Yeah. clack, and then slide, pulling her uh, torso. Ah. That story is also very sad at the beginning. Yeah, 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 totally. Like in my mind, I was getting so angry. I'm like, just untie your shoe from the other shoelace. Mm, it's like, yeah. you know, if this one's stuck, then duh. Yeah, I just pictured it getting like cinched so tight. And then yeah. you reach that point where you're like, shit. And then when you're scrambling and trying to do things quickly, you just yeah. keep making it worse and worse. Uh-huh. And that, what a terrible feeling if uh, all of a sudden now you've pulled it so tight that you can't get your foot out of the shoe. I know, like I know. you need somebody to come by with a knife or something and cut it, cut it. but there was no time. <sighs> yeah. I mean, that, that, even if the urban legend isn't true, mm-hmm. a dying that way is like, <sighs> that's entirely possible. Oh, totally. I can absolutely envision that happening to mm-hmm. someone. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, I have a few pictures. This first one is just an image that comes up a lot in articles about this legend. Someone's imagining of how this particular click-clack slide monster Ooh, looks. My goodness. Yeah, super creepy, right? Yeah, th- also not what I was picturing. So, <laughs> so it really threw me. And then this this other picture, random, but uh, literally the first image that comes up when you do, or at least did for me, when I did an image search of Janet Blonde Blue Eyes. Oh. And what is this creepy doll? Exactly. Uncanny Valley. Don't like it. Too realistic looking. Also like the face of an old lady, not a doll. Like like, not, not like a baby doll? Yeah. No. Like, why is she an old lady baby doll? Even creepier. It's an old lady baby. <laughs> it's a grandma doll. <laughs> one of those one of those grandma babies god that is creepy mm-hmm. is that it for pictures that's, yeah that's it yeah uh, that's well, what do you think do you think like we can bring our urban legends to life essentially you, you know it reminds me of uh i'm sure i've talked about it here before well, i think maybe i have or maybe i haven't but uh there's a, a stephen king book called on writing that i read a long time ago now and uh excuse me 
I, I love it when the burps come at the exact awesomest time. I know, you're just like, the thank you, time. thank you so much. <laughs> I was fine five minutes ago. Um, <laughs> I know it is the weirdest thing. It is so strange. I think if you spoke to anybody who has any kind of uh, on mic job, like a news reporter, mm-hmm. a sports uh, commentator, whatever, it's like, what is that? Yep. It's, yeah. It is, I'm sure there's like, I mean, you can like. Uh, if we if we were able to record just one time a day every day, then it would be a little easier. Like you you get like a a certain meal, yeah, that you know you're just gonna eat repetitively at, at, at X amount of minutes before like. But when you're I kind of like know. bustling around with a different life, it's uh, yeah, it's true. But anyway, this um. Uh, the Stephen King uh, on writing, he was just talking about his process of how he writes his horror novels, and mm-hmm. just talking about the process of writing in general. And there was something that stuck with me, or has stuck with me in all the years. It's been a decade or so since I read it. Where he talked about, like, for him, he said that he didn't really feel like he made stories up as much as he found them. Like, yes. they're out there floating in the ether. And there's this kind of thing of, like, if you don't grab them and kind of birth them into mm-hmm. written form, somebody else could down the road. Like, you could lose the story. It's out there in the, I don't know, just, um, yeah, just out there in the ether. And he just felt like, uh, or, or, and I think he compared it to, like, an archaeologist, too. Like, he's trying to do his best job not to ruin them as he finds them. Like, like you're digging something up, mm-hmm, and you're mm-hmm. hoping not to break the pottery or break the bones or whatever. You're just trying to be meticulous with the details and make sure you bring this thing to life as it was intended. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of close to that concept of s- somewhere outside of us, these things exist. Like, what if, there is that, you know, that possibility some people feel that— uh, you don't ever imagine anything that's completely made up. You're just, it's, it's somewhere it's, it's out there somewhere and you're writing about it. You know, that goes into like parallel dimensions or again, things that haven't happened yet, things that are out there in some way, you just haven't seen them. And I, I like that, uh, possibility with, with the world of horror, as far as getting myself spooked. So you think it's possible? Yeah. Remotely. Sure. It is like big magic. That book that we both uh-huh. read just about ideas mm-hmm. and they either, you know, you you'll be uh, in a store and you'll be you'll see some contraption that you're like, I had that idea. And yeah. It's like you sure did. You and a couple other people, and you passed on it. Like you didn't do anything right. with that you idea when it, it showed up, and the next person didn't, and the next person, but this person did. And so it's this, and then it was birthed into life. Yeah, like this. yeah. So if that's plausible, if, uh-huh. if we think that that's plausible in terms of like, you know, chip clips or like, I don't know, random yeah, yeah, yeah. shit that you didn't even know you needed. Why couldn't this also be possible? Right. So I'm right. very much on, on Dylan's side uh, of like, absolutely. Why, yeah. Like, why not? Yeah. What if there's I have nothing to prove otherwise? What if there's some, some dimension right next to ours that all the horrible things we see in movies, read in books, they're all right there. They're yeah. like just right next to us. And what if what if they could like bleed over here a little bit? Well, and that's part of what makes horror movies so scary is that yeah. it's it's something that we can all relate to. Like, okay, uh, a doll, right? We're just okay. Like, yeah. every kid has had a doll or a stuffy or whatever, and then has woken up in the middle of the night and thought they saw it moving. And then, so when you're an adult and you watch a horror movie and the stuffed animal comes to you have Chucky, it comes yeah, to yeah. life. It's like it's all based in something. Mm-hmm. So like. I don't know. It doesn't seem that far-fetched that like yeah. this dimension next to ours, I feel like that is a movie. Like this dimension next to ours is waiting to find out what your biggest fear is and then make that come to life. That is a movie. What movie is that? Mm, I don't know, but it's, it's yeah, it, it does sound familiar. Yeah, something like, like don't let it know what you're afraid of because then it will give you more of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like a horror version of Interstellar. <laughs> oh, I never saw that movie, but I, yeah, I know, I know, I know what it's you good. mean. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> just comes for you. Uh, are you ready to move on? Beyond ready. That okay. was really, really interesting. Uh, okay, so now time to move on from parts unknown to Illinois. <laughs> no urban legend origin story with this one. You say parts unknown. I'm like, oh, is Anthony Bourdain <clears throat> going to make a guest <clears throat> appearance from the other world? Excuse me. <laughs> uh, John Wayne Gacy was all too real. Before I share some supposed encounters with Gacy's ghost, first we shall take a quick in-between story sponsor break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scared to death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking, and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Who doesn't love a little special something? A gourmet cupcake from your favorite bakery or a lovely bottle of wine? Do you ever splurge on a massage or an expensive meal? If you treat yourself to the best of the best when it comes to the things you enjoy, why would you settle for less when it comes to your health? Your health should be a top priority. I mean, you have one body to get you through this entire life. Why not treat that body to the best? ZocDoc is the place you can find and book tens of thousands of top-tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. Don't settle for anything but the best because you deserve the best. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. I've been battling some insane heartburn lately. I tried all the -the over-the-counter things, cut out spicy food, alcohol, but I just can't seem to get any relief. 
After speaking with my family doctor, he suggested I see a gastroenterologist. Knowing I could find an amazing doctor within seconds on ZocDoc, I went to their website, entered my zip code and insurance information, and began to scroll the reviews of all the available doctors in my area that could help me find a solution to my problem. And I did it all in just a few clicks. So easy. Go to ZocDoc.com scared and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash scared. ZocDoc.com slash scared. Thanks for listening, creeps and peepers. A <clears throat> little bit of true crime set up with this one before we get into the paranormal stuff. Serial killer John Wayne Gacy needs little introduction. Before his final and long overdue arrest for dozens of murders, Gacy seemed to many of his neighbors, coworkers, family, and friends like a respectable, hardworking man. He was involved in local politics, business, and community improvement groups. He was a successful business owner and father who also did a lot of volunteer work, dressing up as Pogo the Clown Ah. for birthday parties of local children, parades, and fundraisers. But of course, underneath his helpful, nice, friendly guy next door exterior, Gacy harbored incredibly dark and depraved secrets. John Wayne Gacy tortured, raped, and murdered at least 33 young men and boys over around a dozen years. Some of his known victims as young as 14 years old. Gacy was finally arrested for his heinous crimes on December 21st, 1978, and then he quickly confessed, informing the police that most of his victims were buried right beneath where he slept, in the crawl space beneath his house. Investigators spent the next few weeks digging up his victims' remains on his property and also along the De Plains River. In the end, the bodies of 28 victims were found buried in the crawl space, Under his suburban home in the conservative family-oriented neighborhood of Norwood Park, Chicago, the bodies of an additional five victims were found on the banks of the Des Plaines River. And to this day, many of these victims remain unidentified. Gacy was found guilty of the 33 murders, receiving 12 death sentences for committing them. He then spent the rest of his life in prison on death row until his execution via lethal injection at the age of 52 on May 10th, 1994. Americans came out in droves to celebrate the death of this monster, but when his heart stopped beating, while he was certainly physically dead, was he really gone? Is it possible his spirit remains? Many people say that his ghost has lingered, with numerous reports of sightings over the years and various psychic mediums in agreement that Gacy's spirit is not only still around, but also frequents the numerous places he had an attachment to in life, rather than haunting just one place since his execution. Few killers have left such an imprint on the American psyche the way John Wayne Gacy has. Few are still talked about as much and feared and remain such an object of morbid fascination. Is it perhaps this focus and remembrance that is helping his spirit live on? Time now for the tale of the ghost of John Wayne Gacy. Gacy is said to frequent quite a few places in Chicago, including the banks of the Des Plaines River, Frankie's Roadhouse, and the Music Box Playhouse. Out of these locations, the music box is where his spirit is spotted the most. Currently functioning as an art house movie theater, it was a porn theater back in the 70s, and that was when Gacy was a regular. He would often frequent the space, sometimes alone, sometimes accompanied by other younger men. It's presumed that he killed several of the young men and boys he brought to the theater as dates. His spirit is said to lurk mainly in the men's bathroom. Over the years, numerous people have reported a variation of the same creepy story. Someone goes to the men's room during or after seeing a movie, and just as they are about to relieve themselves, they start to feel a thick, oppressive air encircling them. Next, or simultaneously, they feel someone standing right behind them, literally breathing down their neck. 
And then occasionally, they also feel invisible hands wrap around their neck and suddenly they can't breathe, feeling like they're being choked by a malevolent entity. All the people who've claimed a version of this encounter have also claimed that they just knew that the entity they ran into in the bathroom was the ghost of Gacy. Psychic Bobby Marchesso, when he went to paranormally investigate the playhouse, claimed he not only felt Gacy's presence in the bathroom, but he said he could also see John in other locations around the theater, sitting in various seats. So if you want to watch a movie with the ghost of a serial killer, you could head to the music box, maybe get your wish. Another popular location for spotting Gacy's ghost is the abandoned Joliet Prison. It once held during its long years of operation, in addition to Gacy, gangster babyface Nelson, and so-called perfect murder killers Leopold and Loeb. The prison has been used as a location for shooting various movies and TV shows since it closed in 2002, and tours have also been offered of the old prison since 2018. Gacy came to Joliet in March of 1980. He served time there before being sent to Stateville Correctional Center to be executed. Gacy spent a lot of his time in Joliet at the prison hospital, including the period of time shortly before his execution when he was being treated for a heart condition. Former prison guard Mike Wells worked at Joliet for many years and is adamant that the hospital is haunted by Gacy's spirit. He feels certain because on top of the many reports of an aggressive male spirit brought forth by former co-workers and previous inmates, he said he's seen him with his own eyes. Mike reported that he was working late one night, not long before the pl- prison closed its doors for good, when the hospital was no longer in use. But as part of his shift duties, he had to patrol the entirety of the grounds which put him inside the hospital. He would have loved to have skipped inspecting that area. He said he always hated walking around in that particular space. The old stone walls, cold metal tables, torturous-looking equipment abandoned there, combined to make for an icy cold atmosphere that seemed oppressive all by itself, without any help from the ghost of any deceased murderer. Combine that with so many people, often violent, terrible people, spending some of their final moments and or dying in that room, and the overall atmosphere was a nightmare. Mike had heard loads of rumors from the other staff and some of the older inmates that Gacy's angry spirit often haunted this space. As much as he hated the place, he found this to be a little far-fetched, though, at first. But then one night, when he was about halfway through his shift, he saw something moving in his peripheral vision through the open main door of the old hospital. A shadow seemed to move swiftly through the large room, headed towards the smaller x-ray room in the back. Mike now clicked on his flashlight, entered the room, feeling incredibly uneasy and on edge. Slowly, he made his way over to the old x-ray room, and then his jaw dropped in shock when he saw what he could have sworn was the outline of a man hanging himself from one of the metal pipes lining the ceiling. After staring directly at this distinctive shadow for several moments, he blinked, and the phantom was gone. Thoroughly freaked out, Mike said he quickly turned around, started to leave, but then, on his way out, as he made his way through the large main hospital room, he suddenly had to stop. Bending forward and clutching an old metal tray with one hand to keep from falling, he dropped his flashlight as an intense pain shot through his chest. Fortunately, after a few seconds, the pain passed. Feeling lightheaded now, in addition to being terrified, he stood up straight with the intent to retrieve his flashlight when he now saw something else. Looming in the doorway he had come through only moments ago was the translucent but distinct apparition of a man. The man was heavy set with chains on his feet. He stared straight at Mike with a sinister sideways smile and eyes full of hate and rage. Mike immediately knew exactly who he was looking at. He'd seen enough pictures to feel 100% certain that the entity he was looking at was indeed the ghost of John Wayne Gacy. He'd later say he witnessed the apparition for nearly a full minute before Gacy's spirit moved on out of view 
And now Mike grabbed his flashlight and ran out of that room faster than he'd ever run before in his life. After hearing some stories like this one, the Ghost Adventures Paranormal Investigation Team traveled to the old Joliet prison to look into the claims, and they also interviewed several people connected to Gacy's last days there in some way. The crew claimed to capture some extremely convincing evidence. They spoke with a woman named Lisa Janke, who attended Gacy's execution. She said that she was once with the group doing a tour of the prison. After that first tour, she claims that she and some companions, quote, brought something back home with them. Throughout that night, she said they heard banging and slamming doors in their apartment. The next night, one of her friends reported feeling something go under her backpack, scratch her back, and then start to caress her breasts. And Lisa said this same night, she was also pushed by an invisible force. Rob Johnson of the Old Joliet Preservation Coalition told Ghost Adventures that he, like Mike, whose claims we just covered, also saw the ghost of a man in the prison hospital. One day after the conclusion of one of his daily tours had just ended, uh, he was locked inside the building around noon uh, when he suddenly saw a menacing figure standing in the doorway, blocking him from leaving. Refusing to be scared into retreating further into the former prison alone, he said he walked forward and witnessed the apparition clearly slip outside, but, quote, as soon as he got into the light of the outside of the building, he was gone in front of my eyes. He was also convinced the thing he saw was the ghost of Gacy. Finally, we head to the old R Theater in Auburn, Illinois, Originally opened as a single-screen movie theater in 1947, the first sat 500 people, then 50 more seats were added. There was also a large wooden stage in front of the screen where sometimes various entertainers and bands performed. The theater fell into hard times in the 70s when more modern multi-screen theater complexes were built in the area, and it was repurposed for a variety of uses, including for a time in the late 70s, use as an adult movie theater. No surprises here, that is when Gacy was rumored to have been a regular customer. The theater then went through several more business iterations and was also closed for a number of years before Robin Terry and his wife Norma purchased the R Theater, turned it into their home in 1999, and proceeded to live there for almost a decade before the building then became the home of Midwest Classic Insurance as well as the Auburn Haunted Theater, a haunted attraction since 2008. Uh, not sure if it is still used today for that purpose. While the Terrys lived there, a renovating project may have somehow led to Gacy returning to visit. Robin had long been interested in the paranormal, was an avid collector of all types of memorabilia, as well as being an amateur ghost hunter. When he bought the R, he knew that it was supposedly haunted, the source of many ghost stories. But he'd never heard anything about a connection to John Wayne Gacy in particular. But then when Robin bought an antique armoire from a friend who was in the process of cleaning it out and fixing it up, in addition to doing a bunch of remodeling, Gacy's ghost appeared. Robin started being visited by an ominous, uh, om yeah, ominous man-shaped shadowy apparition. Robin spoke to his friend, someone who claimed to be very sensitive to the paranormal, who after taking a walk through his new house, took him aside and said, I don't know how to tell you this, but you have the ghost of a serial killer in here. His friend's suspicions were confirmed several times as Robin invited ghost hunters, mediums, and psychics to explore the space. Then after Robin finished up the armoire, supposed sightings of Gacy increased. Sometimes he would be seen wearing prison overalls. Other times, much more terrifying, he would allegedly be witnessed in the full costume of Pogo the Clown. <gasps> Wondering if there was some kind of connection, not just between Gacy and the theater, but also the actual armoire, Robin was able to find out that the armoire had come from Gacy's former attorney and once housed some infamous creepy self-portrait paintings Gacy made while he was on death row. What? The armoire was now moved away and locked up, and while the spirit activity lessened for a while, Gacy's ghost didn't disappear. Once he'd made it back to the R, it seems, he wanted to keep visiting. Whenever he was around, Robin, who has a heart condition, would experience chest pains. 
While he didn't move out, not right away, Robin did now start to tell visitors that they were not to try to make contact with Gacy. And he invited renowned author and ghost hunter Richard Estep to come and investigate the space properly. We've actually met Richard here on Scared to Death before in another paranormal case involving a serial killer, Indiana's uh, Herb Baumeister, episode 135, Just Beyond. Estep led a paranormal investigative team with him and they all instantly felt the heavy atmosphere of the theater. The old green room for performers housed the largest collection of Ouija boards Estep had ever seen. Robin was an avid collector of occult objects. This room also happened to be one of Gacy's uh, favorite hangouts. Richard didn't think that that was a coincidence. Had Robin been trying to contact Gacy? Had he communicated with him? A spirit box session was placed in this room, and a notable and chilling conversation between Estep and the spirit of Gacy featured a voice coming through the box saying, John is coming. When asked where he was coming from, the voice allegedly replied, from hell. The old theater room itself was where Estep's team encountered something even scarier. As soon as the team walked into the room, the hairs on the back of their neck stood up. A different doll had been placed on every seat in the dark room. There was every kind of doll you could imagine. Raggedy Ann, Cabbage Patch, Chucky lookalike, uh, Victorian dolls, even a clown resembling the doll from the movie Poltergeist. Supposedly, these dolls were not placed on the seats by Robin or anyone else there. They did belong to Robin, but were allegedly supposed to still be in storage. Within moments of encountering this macabre display, everyone present heard a crash at the back of the room, followed by a flash of blinding green light. The light was so bright, almost everyone on the team had to shield their eyes. One woman, Lisa, though, did not shield her eyes, and she now froze in fear as she let out a scream when she said she clearly saw the apparition of a large man dressed in a clown suit, makeup running down his face. She recognized the clown instantly as Pogo. And that was it for the investigation. Curiously, just after a step and his team left, Robin Terry was rushed to the hospital with severe chest pains and a heartbeat of 170. That was the last time he ever tried to interact with the spirit of Gacy. And he and his wife moved out of the building shortly thereafter. He said he had no intention of adding to John Wayne Gacy's body count. Ah, that's so terrifying. Like we, we you know, capture a serial killer. Mm-hmm. One of the executed. creepiest ones ever found oh, in this country. God, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And then to think that he could come back, like you, just when you think you're done. I have some pictures. Uh, this first one is a mugshot of oh, serial killer God, John I Wayne Gacy. See it? He's so creepy. Mm-hmm. This next one, exterior shot of the old Joliet prison. Mm-hmm. I like that it has turrets. I know, it's like a castle looking yeah. thing. Uh, this next one, interior shot of the abandoned prison. Uh, couldn't find one specifically of the old hospital, but just uh, obviously a depressing looking place. Prisons are so, so oh creepy God, just yes. in general. Because mm-hmm. you know so many awful things happen there mm-hmm. uh, and so many awful people who've done awful things. Or the, I don't know. And just, just so much despair. Just in yeah, general, of course. just like, oh, uh, yeah, the energy would just be so negative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't imagine a prison where you're like, ooh, this is nice. <laughs> like sunshine, this. the uh, the inmates are painting yeah. in their cell. Get the fuck out of here. Charles Manson, one of the few few guys who uh, truly claimed, I, and I believed him. That he loved it in there? That he liked it in prison. He, he was used to it. He knew how things worked, knew how to work that system, mm-hmm. felt like he could be kind of like uh, uh you know, tough guy or not a tough guy even, but like a man of note Yeah, in that kind of ecosystem. Uh, this next one, exterior shot of the music box. Very cool looking venue now. Obviously, uh, some money's been oh, put yeah. into renovation. It looks great. Uh, this next one is a shot of some of the seats where Gacy used to watch some of his movies with uh, people he killed. Oh, God. And this next one, no good pics of the R Theater 
uh, poor resolution on most of them. But here's the only one I could find of the main entrance. So much little sp smaller place. If you pull back, it looks like uh, you would drive right past it and never think it was a theater. I can't believe people lived there. I know. They made it their home. Uh-huh. That, that's an odd choice just to begin with. Like mm -hmm. they, they were clearly a very- Eccentric uh, or something. Yeah, eccentric couple. Finally, this is a picture of Gacy dressed up oh, as God. Pogo the Clown. I don't want it. Oh, God. Yikes. How would you like to see the ghost of that? How would you like that to chase you? My God. That what season yeah. of um, American, oh, American Horror, Horror Story? Story? Yeah. Uh, Oof. And uh, I love that actor, that young kid. Three or four, yeah. He's so good in that clown. Oh, God. Because he already has that sort of like that wide smile. And then mm. he dressed, you know, then his character, you know, does the clown thing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I do kind of agree with uh, whomever was worried about giving energy to the ghost. It's like, I don't think you should keep acknowledging John Wayne Gacy's ghost. We should just. Oh, like what I said at the beginning before we launched into it. It's just yeah. like, what, what if this collective fascination somehow kind of like keeps his spirit around? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they say like, uh, when you die, you're not really dead until the You're last forgotten. person, you know, the last person who knows you utters your name. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're you're always there. So if mm -hmm. we could just not, then mm -hmm. maybe it would. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And the abandoned hospital, like the mm -hmm. with that, that story of that uh, prison guard or security guy. Yeah, Mike. Oh, man. I thought Mike was going to die. I got really nervous for a second when he Does doubled over. a heart attack? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because what I thought was happening was it was the spirit was making him feel how it feels to have lethal injection. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right? Because I think it stops your heart. Isn't that right? Yeah. 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 <sighs> Actually, on heart stuff, I'll just say something really quick because I know some people oh, listen yeah. to Scared to Death but Not Time Suck. I, I addressed it in a Time Suck recording. And I, and I know that you won't be hearing this until a few weeks after the show, but uh, yeah, I had a... Had, the first show, Philadelphia at the Fillmore, which was so fun, um, but not fun, unfortunately, for one attendee. And his partner. And his partner. But a guy, uh, we don't know his name, never got his name from the venue. They didn't, you know, they don't know his name. Around 55 years old, had a full cardiac arrest, stopped breathing, heart stopped beating. Mm -hmm. Fan uh, from Time Suck, at least, possibly also scared to death. Uh, emer emergency room nurse mm -hmm. was able to perform CPR, get like literally save their life. Literally saved his life. Yep. Get them breathing again, get their heart beating. The the EMTs came within five minutes of being called, got Which him on a stretcher. Impressive, so by impressive. The way. And then we heard just if you're if you're at that show and you're wondering what happened, the last thing we heard as of this recording was that he uh this person, whoever they were, stable condition. Yeah. So and also if you're the person like the partner of this person yeah. or if that's like your friend or whatever, like we would just love an update. We don't need, uh, you know, anybody's personal information, yeah. but we would just love to know that, okay. that you really are OK and that there was some sort of, you know, I don't know, like was it a previous previous uh, previously existing condition? Was this something that just came out of nowhere? Yeah. Is Dan just that funny? Like, what happened that night? Or did, or, or did he, he just hate me so much? He hated it so that, much. Like, he hated them. It just made him, it was a, like out of anger. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Man, 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 man. It was, it was a, what? that was such a weird experience. Yeah, for first time, hopefully last time. Oh my gosh, I hope it never, ever happens again. Stay home if you're going to have a heart attack, okay? <laughs> JK. Oh, okay. Are you ready for some stories? I am. Also, I noticed, was that? Uh, no, we have a new, like, giant, giant Layla here. A crocheted Layla with a little tag on it. Thank you. Wyatt the Riot. Uh, uh, I appreciate the little, um, and, uh, and Catalina A. 
Instagram, that's uh, period cats. That's who, that's who made it. And uh, I'm guessing Wyatt the Riot is associated with Catalina A. Or, or maybe just commissioned it like, you know. Maybe Catalina. Well, true. Maybe commissioned it from uh, uh, crochets things. Catalina. In my mind, I've been waiting to say this since we got, sat down. It's a crochetla. Crochetla. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> I've, li- I've been thinking about that for 46 minutes. <laughs> I thought there could be like a uh, vote for the mayor of the uh, Laylaville with that one on the top and then this that one? red one. Yeah. I, yeah, I wrote yeah. a note oh, down yeah. in my notebook. I'm like, should we have like a Layla making contest? Who can send in like the <laughs> most creatively made Layla? Awesome. But, but then I imagined we'd get like oh, some like uh, foam three foot tall Layla. Like I wouldn't even know what to do with it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but crochet is really. Yeah, thank cool. you. We are we get so much stuff here that we don't talk about, and uh, yeah, consistently just blown away that anyone cares about any show we do enough to want to send something in. Like it, we're so beyond appreciative of it. I know in the meet and greets, like uh, mm-hmm. I never expect to be included in that because you've come to a stand-up show. You've come to hear Dan do stand-up. Like to me, it is about him. This is his moment. And anytime the fans like are like, oh, Lindsay, get in the picture or you yeah. bring me crystals or just socks or or just are happy to take a picture with me, I find myself very overwhelmed with gratitude. Mm-hmm. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, a lot of people, Um, I mean, will openly say, which I, I love. It is so funny. That they are, are more excited to see you than me. At the show. So I you know what? I like cuter, it. Uh, you know. <laughs> you are. You are. I did really love my new friend that I made in Philly, Mac. She had on this sweatshirt. Who is <laughs> the funny? I'm such a weirdo sometimes. And I forget that like sometimes I'm not good with boundaries. Yeah. And so she had on this lavender hoodie and she asked me a question. And so like I am a toucher. So I like reached out and touched her shoulder to, I don't know, to like engage in the conversation. I was like, ooh, this is nice. And then Without invitation or asking if it was okay, I just like nuzzled my head onto her. Oh. I was like, oh, you're really soft. I really like, thank God Mac was cool about it. But <laughs> so if I've done that to you, I really apologize. I am not good sometimes with the oh, cues man. of like, don't touch me. <laughs> you fucking weirdo. <laughs> All right. So a person on the stairs. Mm-hmm. The stairs in our house creak a lot. And so yeah. I was really feeling the story like, you know, I'm always perpetually concerned that there is something, uh, a ghost, a spirit that originates from Kyler's room. Mm -hmm. And we know that. We've talked about that for many moons. I've been trying to get you to check the crawl space. We did have a fan write in who said that um, he's a home inspector in Maine. But if we flew him out here, he'd be happy to check our crawl space. (laughs) I think you can put your head up there. But the stairs are like third to that. When When I was reading this, I thought, oh, yeah, like that is a sound. This is so specific. And if you knew for sure, Dan, that Mm -hmm. I was not home, the kids were not home, and that the dogs were not home. Right. And you or, heard- if, the, or if the dogs were with me. Okay, yeah, like, fair I, enough. Like I'm sitting there with the dogs, yeah, like like on the couch, mm-hmm. in the living room, watching a, watching a movie or whatever, or, you know, reading a book, maybe mm-hmm. so it's quiet, and I heard that very distinct sound, mm-hmm. that would be super freaky. Because, then- because it is a sound- that I've only ever heard when someone is actually walking on the stairs. Yeah, our it's not some houses kind of like breathe, you know, like you can like hear like the expand and contract of the house. Yeah, and so you'll hear like uh, certain things creak when no one is around, or maybe that's a ghost, and I just want to believe that's what it is. Yeah, but to me, the stairs are so awful because it's the the stairs themselves and the sound of a foot, like the thud of mm, a footstep yeah, yeah, yeah. on the stairs. It the the two exist together and mm-hmm. only together. Oh, well. Let us, let's talk to our friend, uh, <laughs> cannot speak, let's talk to our fan, Devin Fowler here, and find out what happened to him and the person on the stairs. Okay. 
Hey, Dan and Lindsay. My name is Devin, and my wife is Ashley. And I thought I would share a story about a beautiful, terrible little cabin I lived in when I was younger. Growing up, my family was very religious, but this wasn't evident to me until we joined a Native American reenactment group. Huh. I don't know what that is. I'm not entirely sure either. On our first outing, we performed uh, at a healing retreat for some of the Oklahoma City bombing victims and first responders. This is where we met a woman in our newly joined group who claimed to be a seer. My mother and her spent all weekend talking, and from then on, she was very much into acknowledging the existence and presence of spirits in this world. I believed in it as much as any kid who is told something exists by their parents. It seemed every time I turned around, my family was having some dealings with the other world for one reason or another. As I got older, however, the frequency of these events decreased. I didn't feel my hair stand up on the back of my neck as often, and I didn't feel like someone was standing next to me when I was supposedly in a haunted place any longer. I chalked up my previous experiences to youthful imagination. That is, until I moved to Maryland after I graduated high school. I got a job working for GE on a construction site in the little town of Lusby. After my first month there, I moved in with one of my coworkers. He and his wife were renting a beautiful two-story house right on the lake, just a couple miles from our job site. It sat back in a dense thicket of trees and had a small walking path down to a private dock. I had never seen a more beautiful location. I thought I had hit the jackpot. My room was on the second floor, up a narrow, enclosed staircase. The house was old, and as to be expected, the stairs made plenty of noises when someone walked up or down them. The first couple of weeks were amazing, but this turned out to be very short-lived. I started to have the hair on the back of my neck feeling I had remembered from so long ago. I attributed it to me being a 19-year-old kid away from home for the very first time. We worked 10 to 12-hour days, seven days a week. My time at that house was usually spent quickly eating, showering, and hitting the hay. Even with such little time spent in the house, I couldn't possibly, uh, I couldn't help but to start feel a little more and more creeped out with every passing day. I got the feeling that someone was always standing just outside of my bedroom door. I also noticed randomly that fruit could not be kept in the house. I would buy a bag of oranges every week. I would take two to work with me every day, but I was never able to finish the bag before they would start to rot and mildew. The same went for bananas and apples. Now, being a kid from Texas, I thought that this was just some weird northerner thing, like the way that they didn't know what ranch-style beans were or never having heard of bluebell ice cream. I digress. I began having trouble sleeping, and I was never comfortable being alone in the house. One day, I was sitting on my bed using my laptop when I definitely heard my friend's wife call my name from just outside of my room. Devin, she said, plain as day. Yeah? I answered back, what's up? I didn't get an answer. I looked up and looked across the tiny landing at the top of the stairs as as their room was right next to mine. She wasn't there. Huh, that's weird, I thought out loud. What's up? I yelled again, and still no answer. Then I heard a car door slam. I looked out the front windows down the driveway, and there they were, both of my friends, my friend and his wife, outside washing his truck. It had only been a few seconds, and there was no way she could have possibly made it outside that quickly. A few days later, I woke up in the middle of the night, sat straight up in my bed, and began screaming at the top of my lungs, uh, something I had never done before or since. 
It was just a bad dream, I told my roommates when they came in to see what the hell was going on. But that wasn't the case, however. In fact, I wasn't dreaming about anything. This, uh, this last incident that happened is the only reason to even tell this story. During Easter, the company had given everybody a couple of days off. This was the first break we had had in three months. Most everyone went back home as 90% of the crew was from North Carolina. But I wasn't about to spend $1,000 on a plane ticket back to Texas for two days. So like it or not, it was just me alone in that beautiful, terrible house. I slept downstairs on the couch with every light on in the house. (laughs) The first night came and went with nothing to report. But on the evening of my second night alone, I wished I would have rethought that plane ticket. I was lying on the couch, talking to my girlfriend, professing all of the I miss you's and I wish you were here that a lovesick 19-year-old could muster. (laughs) The couch was positioned against the wall next to the stairwell. During a break in the conversation, she piped up with, I thought you'd already gotten the charger from your room. I did, I replied back slowly, starting to realize what prompted the question. Well, then why are you going back upstairs? As she finished her question, there was no doubt what she was talking about. The creak of those old stairs were all too familiar. I laid there, staring at the wall as the sound of each step on the other side grew louder and closer. I'm not going up the stairs, I finally replied, but I'm pretty sure someone's coming down them. Never in my life have I been so sure I wasn't alone in a room, even though I was the only person there. The blood drained from my face and I could barely breathe. I felt completely paralyzed by fear. The wall started to creak as if someone was leaning up against it to help them with their balance as they descended the stairs. The last footstep hit the landing less than three feet from the couch. As I lay there motionlessly, my girlfriend's voice snapped me back into reality. Run! She screamed. (laughs) Just get the fuck out of the house! No, I said as I finally found my voice again. It can't harm me. I'm not leaving. I said those words almost out of instinct, but did I really mean them? Yes, I meant every bit of it. I remembered back when my mother and I were in a house, blessing it for a family that didn't know what else to do. My mother had turned to me and said, Some spirits may wish you harm, and some may try to attach themselves to us and follow us home. But if you let them know that you have the Lord in your heart, you are in control, and they will leave you alone. I sat up straight on the couch and shouted, You can finish coming down here if you want, but if you do, I swear to God, it will be your last day in this house. After what seemed like forever, the stairs started to creak again, ever so softly, until they disappeared back upstairs. I never had another major experience. Uh, I never had another major experience for the rest of the weeks I lived there. But every time I was in my room, there was still this feeling of something standing just outside my door watching. Until next time, keep it spoopy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked the, the detail about like the like shifting their weight against like the railing or, you know, whatever, yeah. something similar to that. Um just like, you know, like a stairway where I'm picturing, you know, like, you know, you go down then take a little like 90 degree turn, then finish coming down mm-hmm. and just how, so it wouldn't be like a steady, like step, 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 right, step. There'd right. be like a little break in that rhythm and and the distinctive sounds that would accompany that. Mm-hmm. So it's not, which would just make it, uh, make you believe all the more that this is not settling 
the house settling, right. it is for sure steps. Yeah. And and then his girlfriend also hearing this. I know. I love that like the house is so old and so creaky and she's been on the phone with him so many times. Like mm-hmm. I can just picture this like young love. They're talking until their phones die. My yeah, phone's yeah, going to yeah. die. So he runs upstairs and she can hear that through the phone. So she right. knows this sound yeah. so distinctly after all these months of him being away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that she picked up on it first was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And of course, I love that she immediately told him to get out because right. that's what we do. Us women, we know Man. you should just leave. I know I know this wasn't, or unless I missed it, I don't I think yeah, it was just a phone call, not a, uh, a FaceTime or something. Oh yeah, he but, said just a phone call. Yeah, but it made me think about, that is one of my favorite things in like horror movies mm-hmm. that is so fucking creepy when you have like somebody on some kind of like Zoom, oh, FaceTime, yeah. whatever, any ah. kind of video. And and the best is when like oh my god it makes my hair I know, stand I already up, have the chills is when like they're talking to somebody they get up to go do something and then the person on the other side sees something in the video that is not of this world not supposed to be there and just how oh my god maddening that would be like um okay like like if yeah like if, if you and I I'm on the road somewhere oh my god oh my god oh my god how oh my scary god. would that be like worried about me where it's like I get up to uh, hey just one second I'm gonna grab a glass of water and then you see something like come out of like the bedroom or like the by the bed where I'm supposed to be in the hotel some like monster looking thing I'd be screaming my bloody head off okay if that happens you have to promise me that you'll leave that you won't just think I'm being a lunatic okay okay if you see something distinct like that yeah I I mean that would freak me out yeah yeah you have to leave you have to go to a new hotel (laughs) okay you can't even stay in that hotel okay because I feel like it could still you know, Come get you. it could yeah. permeate the walls. It will find you. You need to get out and go to like the nearest other I, hotel. I would rather have it be on my side. It's like even like more yes. stressful for me to think about like your home. And I just see something in the background like, oh my, but I can't help. I was just going to say, are you insinuating that I can't protect myself? No. I am insinuating that I could protect myself. Well, in that situation. No, I know. I get it. I'm just yeah, teasing yeah, you. Yeah, it's yeah. like the natural instinct to want to protect your family. That's exactly, just, you know. Exactly. That, part of the male psyche. Well, also that would suck because that's in our house. Mm-hmm. So now we've got another problem to deal with when you come home. Yep. It's not, it's, it's almost better if it's for the person who's in the hotel, you can leave there. You might lose mm-hmm. a couple hundred bucks, but like you're going to yeah, leave yeah, yeah. your sanity and your body Yeah, intact. definitely a lot easier than leaving uh, your, your actual home. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the second story, as I mentioned before, and, and we know, I hate a story that is just oh, yeah. no resolution. This story is so weird. And the fan who sent it in even asked, like, I want you to tell me what you think because after all these years, they have no explanation. It is so bizarre. I've never heard of anything like this ever, ever, ever. Okay. It is so strange. So not not like an encounter, but just so bizarre. And I believe that paranormal activity is the only explanation, but I don't know. Maybe you'll be able to come up with something else. Okay. So listen carefully to the details. There will be a quiz at the end. (laughs) Sounds good. Greetings, Dan and Lindsay. I've been listening to the podcast for maybe a year and a half, and it's led me to a few other creepy podcasts I probably would not have considered. Shout out to the Box of Oddities. It's a great show. Oh, yeah, that is a great show. Yeah, I love those guys. Kat and Jethro. Uh, So thanks for the entertainment. To repay you, I figured I'd share my own story. A little bit about me. I'm a skeptical person. And although I was about 12 when this took place, I was never one for for ghosts or paranormal even then, except for maybe aliens. After listening to your podcast, I remembered this experience and shared it with a few people just trying to get an answer I hadn't already considered. Nobody thus far has a clue. So let's see what the Creeper crew has to say. Hmm. 
As I said, I was about 12 years old, so this was approximately 2003. My parents had split up, and my older sister had just moved out. Currently, my mother, older brother, myself, a Springer Spaniel, and four cats were sharing the house. I got home from school. My mom was at work. I called out for my brother, but he was MIA as usual, so I had to take the dog out after I dropped my bag and hoodie. I called for the dog who'd normally been there to greet me at the door, but I didn't pay any mind at first that, she, that the dog hadn't, and I heard barking. Now, the house was over 100 years old, three-story brick house, not uh, much too big for the three of us, and in pretty bad disrepair due to domestic issues between my parents. Holes punched in walls, some walls completely torn down, broken doors, some without knobs, broken faucets, etc., Some of my friends said it was creepy, but to me, it was just home. And again, I don't believe in ghosts or anything of the sort, but I'm trying to complete the scene for you. I followed the barking into the kitchen, then up the back staircase to my mom's room. I put room in quotes because she didn't sleep in there and it was more of a glorified storage unit. The room was packed with furniture and all of the furniture had clothing hung on it and strewn about any exposed flat surface. That was the chaos I expected to see when I pushed the cracked door open, but that is not the chaos I got. As I pushed the door open, I immediately thought I was dreaming. The dog was in the room, now looking straight at me and stopped barking. She was panting, her white fur stained from the top of her nose to her toes with blood. The cats were also in the room, all of them perched on different pieces of furniture, all of them with a look of alarm. The floor had puddles of blood everywhere. I don't mean, hey, there was some blood. I mean, there was blood everywhere. Puddles of the stuff on every visible section of the floor. This seemed like way more blood than would fit in any animal our our little Springer Spaniel could have killed. My mother's everywhere-you-can-put-it wardrobe was completely ruined, blood splatters on all of her clothes. As I was trying to wrap my middle schooler brain around what I was seeing, I was hit by the smell, the most heavy, musky stink of iron, copper, and body odor. I must have stood there staring, smelling, and contemplating for five minutes with a bewildered look across my face. As an adult, had I come across this, I'd immediately be looking for some form of danger. As a 12-year-old, I just remember pure confusion and telling myself, well, she didn't kill a cat. They're all here. Like that was some sort of small comfort. The first thing I did was take the dog outside to a nearby stream and washed her off. I can only imagine what my neighbors must have thought. While doing that, I gave my sister a call and told her she needed to come over and verify that I wasn't hallucinating. She said she'd be over shortly, so I took the dog back home, called my mom, who'd be done at work soon, and it was a phone call that involved a lot of confused, what? While I was on the phone, the dog, being a dog, went back to the room and recovered herself in blood. Dogs, am I right? No respect for potential crime scenes. When my sister arrived with her boyfriend, he was trying to think of some other possible fluid that the blood could have been, while my sister and I gaped at him, can you not smell it? Well, yeah, but that smells more like body odor than blood, okay? I responded by rolling my eyes. So this is just dark red sweat everywhere? Well, no, I mean, where would it come from? There's no tracks or footprints or anything. Just a bloody room and a bloody dog. There's no way there was a raccoon or anything like that. This was just way too much blood. A bit later, my mom got home. She was as devastated about her clothing being destroyed as she could be. She threw out whatever couldn't be salvaged, which was which wasn't much, and we cleaned the floor. 
She'd always been convinced that her house was haunted, and this was definitely adding to it. She didn't act as though she was that bothered by it, but I suspect she was trying to remain calm for us. We never found out anything regarding this. No tracks, no hand or footprints, no fur or feathers, and no blood in any other part of the house. Her room was on the second floor, and there were no trees or structures near enough to any of her windows for something or someone to enter the house that way. We even checked the dog's feces the following week to see if she'd completely eaten some kind of animal that was way too much blood. No such luck. The concrete fact is somehow in the middle of the day, a room in my house got blood sprayed and smelled like human BO and four people were there to verify it was not just in my preteen mind. People I've told this story to have always asked why we didn't call the police, have them test it to at least see what it belonged Mm -hmm. to. But if the description of my house didn't clue you in, my mom didn't exactly want the police snooping around and looking for a reason to take my brother and I away. In retrospect, I think I'd rather have taken that chance just to get some closure on this very bizarre happening. So I ask, what do you guys think it was? Bonus question, (laughs) what would you have done if you'd been in my shoes? Regards, Mac. Mac. How weird is that? I don't understand. Uh, So, okay, so Mac said that uh, Mac is 12 when this happens. Yes. 2003, uh, parents just had a brutal divorce you know, holes punched in the walls, that kind of like, so like uh, a lot of emotional strife in the home. Yeah. And older brother. So yeah. uh, I believe his brother, but like like an older sibling for sure. Yes. Older brother, older sister that had moved out. Okay. So the older brother's a teenager in the home. Uh-huh. I will say like um, this story, it just feels, it's, it's, it's a poltergeist story mm-hmm. where what's interesting about like poltergeist, like, um, you know, which is just a... Uh, sometimes like another term for like a haunting, but it's specifically when the, when a lot of people talk about poltergeist, it's like extreme haunting in a house attached to like a, a physical location. It's not something that follows a person. It's always my recollection, like a, a, a home, a structure. Okay. And for whatever reason, and they've studied, they studied this in like the seventies and eighties. There was these, um, Oh, I cannot think of the group. It was back, I want to say like North Carolina or whatever. And there was maybe out of UNC or one of these schools. It was like a psychic research kind of society. Okay. But they were, um, they would study these like poltergeist cases. And one of the things they found, yeah, sorry, I'm just pulling all this out of my ass. So that's why I don't have like names and the the, the society's name okay, and everything. No one's asking for that. But, um, and just having gone over so many poltergeist stories myself, they, they this group like wondered if there was a, a connection to like teen angst, emotional turmoil ah. of a teenager. It is uncanny how many poltergeist stories uh, are centered around at the end of the day, a teenager who is going through heavy emotional shit. And, and they kind of wondered that somehow they were able to manifest like that's what the, the, the line of investigation they were going for a while. And I want to say like the blood, the blood all over the room, unusual in that sense that it's like, you know, actually covered things so much. And yes, of course, one of the things I wrote down was, oh, it's such a bummer that it wasn't tested. I sure. want to know what kind of blood it was. But that is not a, an isolated thing. There has been many poltergeist stories where blood will seep from the walls. Oh, yeah. Blood will seep out of like like spontaneous like blood just showing up. How did I not think about that? And again, I cannot think of a single one of those stories that isn't associated with some kind of like uh, teenagers in the home and, and turmoil. Uh, I believe in Amityville, the Amityville horror, there was uh, some blood and things like showing up in that home, you know, like a famous example of like poltergeist activity. Yeah. 
a lot of people will say like it's like demonic in origin when it's, you know, these kind of things, but it doesn't sound like there was a, a lot of extra stuff mm-hmm, happening. Mm-hmm. Another thing that's interesting with these um, poltergeist stories is when the teen becomes a little bit more psychologically well, uh-huh. it will die down uh-huh. and go away. Like it seems to specifically be connected to like, yeah, just, just, I don't know why that is. Nobody knows why that is. How bizarro. But, but I will say if I was Mac, to do research into more examples of of poltergeist infestations associated with teenagers. Fascinating. And and yeah, and I wish I could remember the name of that group, but I do want to say that they were based in like North Carolina, 70s, 80s maybe, but there was a, it was associated with either Duke Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. UNC, I'm 99% sure. And for years and years and years, they studied it. And I want to say either that group or a group like that was what they based uh, the first Ghostbusters movie when they like were studying like ESP and things. Funny. Because there really were groups studying those things in a very academic way. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you didn't know, and so now this is making even more sense to yeah. me, uh, just sometimes when I'm reading, things get you know left behind. But Mac had said that when uh, they called out to the brother when they got home from school, yeah. The line was, I called out to my brother, but he was MIA as usual. Parenthetical. He was already mm. working his way down a bad path. Yeah. So, so that so, is like even more confirmation of like, you know, and I don't yep. know where Mac's brother is now. I would I guess Mac's brother then would be the source of this in some way, whether it's like Damn. the paranormal thing is focused on him or it's just like, um, it's like all that pain and anguish and confusion mm-hmm. somehow opens up some channel to something else. But, like there are so, but there are yeah. so many cases of distraught, upset, uh, turmoil, you know, like teenager, mm-hmm. and then this kind of stuff happening in a home. It makes so much sense. Like, you know, like you said, the divorce. Right. And, and like a lot of like shifting in the house where yeah. the sister moves out. The one brother is, you know, headed down a bad path. Right. There's a lot of domestic violence. Mom, I mean, mom already felt that it was haunted before. Yep. And and there's another theory with this kind of stuff is that it's not that the teenager is creating it. Mm-hmm. It's something was already there. Mm-hmm. And kind of like we've talked before where like electricity, um, emotion, you know, giving it energy to mm-hmm. these things. And that's such a powerful kind of energy, that teen angst, yeah. that it basically is like rocket fuel for these things Dang. and allows them to do things like, like having a bunch of blood show up that normally wouldn't be possible. Okay. Interestingly- when A lot of times there's mo- shit moving around in these places too. You know, our house has felt fairly good, I would say, for- mm, I know where you're going. Yeah. Uh-huh. For quite some uh-huh. time. But when it was at its worst was when things were the hardest with Kyler. He just had mm-hmm. a very, like, without, you know, yeah, uh, stuff. putting him, his information, his story out there. Yeah. It's like, he had a really rough junior year for mm-hmm. a variety mm-hmm. of reasons. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was like teen angst, emotional stuff. Yep. It was very real. And, and, and as a teenager, even more real to him. Like we were watching it happen yeah. and we could see how real it was. But when you're the teenager and you're going through these kinds of things for the first time, it's even bigger because you've mm-hmm. never felt these emotions before. Yeah. And that was the height of the activity in our mm-hmm. house. And that is when Monique came over mm-hmm. and her very first, when she was trying to find the heart of the house, the very first thing was like, what room is, is, is this Kyler's room? And she's, I don't know if Monique's even ever met our kids. So yeah. I think the question was even like, is Kyler your male child or your female child? Like it was very specific around male energy in that. That's I, Isn't that weird? And that it, but nobody so knows, nobody knows for sure like why that is. But anecdotally, there is just so many examples of specifically that kind of scenario creating these kinds of things. Man, now I'm like playing back in my head 
my difficult years of my childhood Mm -hmm. and also like at those years being the most in tune with thinking that our house was haunted Mm -hmm. that I grew up in. That's wild. (laughs) Cool and interesting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Dang. Well, Mac, I hope that maybe that gives you some resolution or at least some some place to start. Yeah. I'm curious like how long your family stayed in that house after that, if if anyone is still there, if you know anything about that house or Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it would... It's a very curious thing of like, did anything else ever happen ever again? Yeah, yeah. Was this an isolated incident? Did the brother who was going through some really hard stuff move out Mm -hmm. after that? Like, Mm -hmm. I have so many questions. (sighs) It's a good one, right? (laughs) Yeah, very good. Really creepy. Yeah. All right. Well, would you like to do some Annabelle shout outs, Dan? Yeah, I'll start them off. Okay, go for it. Uh, Thank you so much to the Annabelles that allow us to do what we do. Uh, Nick Schulz, Chris Paul, Seth Carroll, Millie Hester. Lisa Stump, Carly Babcock, Nah, <laughs> just Nah, Nah, Christian Latiz Tarango, The Damn Doc, Jennifer McAllister, and Tiffany Smith. Awesome. I would like to thank the following Annabelles as well Cody Hamilton, Nix Onyx 96, Brooke LaBarbara, uh, La Katie Krause, April Sosby. Ethan Kershaw, Rose Hartzell, Joe Swanner, Jeremy Butler, and Carla. <laughs> and then I have some spoopy shout outs. Do it. These, these are great this week. To Pumpkin from Squishy. <laughs> Happy anniversary. I love you with all my heart and I look forward to growing old with you. Mm, so to, sweet. I know. To Josh from Zoe. Thank you for everything and being there. When I needed you, even if you are convinced there are bodies in the garden, I will love you always and forever. <laughs> to Jenneru from Mummy Creeper, Lewis Peeper, and your B-Day Uncle Twin, Didi. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you for being the most wild, cool, and interesting daughter. Mm. This is this is the one. To Boob from Big Beefy Boy. I love you. That <laughs> is, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Boob and Big Beefy Boy. Oh God, I was dying so hard. I'm guessing they have a good sex life. Okay, so just when Big Beefy Boy sent this email in, it was something about like uh, maybe he works for a moving company and when a customer called in, they requested, she's like, you know, I want like that Big Beefy Boy. Okay, funny, And it just stuck. It's a great Uh, one. And to Sweet Thang from Sweet Pancake. (laughs) Happy 11th anniversary. Thanks for keeping things wild, cool, and interesting. Here's to many, many more. So cute. Uh, Everybody's got weird nicknames. Yep, I love it. I love it. Uh, and that's our show, sweets. Uh, thanks for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scared to death podcast.com. You can email us for everything else, info at scared to death podcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith and Tyler C for the work on social media with uh, Ryan Handelsman and Emily Licardi, and also running badmagicmerch.com for Logan. Thanks to Tyler C producing, directing today, Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation. Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. Book editor Drew Atana, polishing and preparing listener stories for book number four. I found the first story I told this week. And thanks to Olivia Lee and Sarah Finch for finding the second. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you want to watch us. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content. And to see pics that accompany episodes at Scared to Death Podcasts. And we have a private Facebook group, Creeps and Peepers. Get in there. Do it. And you can follow us on TikTok as well. Also at Scared to Death Podcast. Uh, scared to death podcast. My gosh, just so many announcements at the end. And then this, and then thanks for this. But you can find uh, like show highlights and stuff there. And if you don't want to hear more ads, if you want monthly bonus episodes, check out our Patreon. Get the entire catalog, ad free and more 
Enjoy your nightmares, creeps, and peepers. Hope you're scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but have no home here within scared to death. Bad Magic Productions. I, yeah, I wrote yeah. a note oh, down yeah. in my notebook. I'm like, should we have like a Layla making contest? Who can send in like <laughs> the most creatively made Layla? NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.